Hello and welcome to the Bell Bank Home Team Podcast. We are here live today with the awesome Dave Reed from Remax Results in Stillwater. Is that right, Dave? That's right. Thank you for coming. We also have my wingman, Mr. Steve Sandell. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing well, and it's great to be your wingman, Ghost Rider. Let's, let's have another great podcast. And I know we will because Dave's got a lot to say, a lot of good information. This is going to be fun. Awesome. Dave, how many years have you been in real estate for? I am approaching my uh, 21st year in real estate this fall. Wow. And you have some swimmers in the family, right? I do. How many daughters I do. do you have again? Well, I'm the proud parent of four girls, and all four of them at some point have been swimmers. But right now, just my youngest two, 14 and 15-year-old, are uh, active swimmers so we we end up traveling around the region quite a bit and with any luck here we'll be uh, making a trip to Illinois for one of them here in a couple weeks and then Irvine California hopefully for the other one for a a junior national meet which would be a lot of fun for her. Tune in to your 2024 (laughs) Olympics. Where are the 2024 Olympics? (laughs) You know I haven't looked ahead that far. (laughs) They're they're not here in Stillwater are they? Yeah yeah, right. Maybe? I'm just just more worried about getting them to practice tomorrow. (laughs) Dave's being humble though I know they're really good swimmers. I've heard that from other people too but Dave has a very interesting past, meaning that he's worn lots of hats in the past. He's been a builder. He's been an accountant. He has a pool in his backyard. He owns rentals. So. <laughs> he, Dave's one of the most charismatic and experienced realtors that I know. Where should we start here? How about your building past, Dave? How did you become a realtor? When did you become a builder? And how did that transition go? Well, my interest in real estate came basically when I was in college at the Carlson School of Management at the U. A good friend of mine had come back to school after being a realtor for a number of years, and it always intrigued me. I did spend some time in the military in the Early in the early '90s, when Desert Storm. So, depending on our audience age here, some of them may not even know what that is. But it was a uh, a skirmish. Basically, it wasn't a full blown war. But I I was 20 years old and thought, wow, what the heck? It'd be kind of cool to go see the world. So I abruptly joined the military in the in between uh, college years and uh, thought I would go overseas. I was a reservist back then. That's what they took. What better way to see the world than running next to a tank? Yeah, yeah, precisely. That's what you think when you're 20. Now, 30 years later, I'm not quite as intrigued by that. But yeah, yeah, but my job in the military was a builder. And that Mm -hmm. is where I learned a lot of my interest in building. And then got into real estate from this guy from college, spent two years at KPMG as an accountant and just realized that that was not my thing. I I loved the knowledge that I've gained and it, it has come in incredibly useful in the the work that I do with with our mutual clients. Absolutely. And then from there, we had a partnership. Chris Ames is his name and I and decided to do a little bit of building and I had the background. So I went that route, got a builder's license and for about 10 or 11 years was a a custom home builder and Mm -hmm. uh, really loved the the hands-on approach. And you kind of get to use all of those trades, the, the, the accounting and, and everything in mm-hmm. that process with people. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Yes. If I were to be able to build a, a realtor from the ground up, I would <laughs> It'd be great to, for them to have the, the experience being a builder, accounting, military, all that stuff. They, they serve the real estate world so well because we, we all see so many different walks of life come into our lives looking for homes, but all those veterans out there you can relate to right. quality versus... Poor constructions, Dave can distinguish. 
all yeah, that stuff. I, I don't inspect a home. I'm not a qualified inspector, but I tell buyers all the time when we're walking through a home, they'll see me looking at things that they're not looking at. And I tell them I'm paying attention to you, but I'm also looking at things. You know, I always say I don't care how big the bedrooms are. And I don't care how large the dining room is. That's really for you. You can see that. Right. I'm looking at mechanical things. I'm looking at the condition of the windows. I'm looking at a lot of things that they may not notice. And there have been a lot of homes where you can see there's been maybe some do-it-yourself construction, home remodeling, where things weren't done quite right and could create an issue for them down the road. So I try to point those things out. Where were you 15 years ago when I built my house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I've consulted a few times since I stopped building in around 2011. I've consulted with some people who thought they were going to build their own home. Yeah. And one in particular, they told me, come on over. We just want you to help us the rest of the way. And their basement floor was poured. So I started looking around at the mechanicals and the plumbing, and they had forgotten to put any of the plumbing in the floor. So... You well, know, that's a minor detail. It's a minor detail. <laughs> they got a little ahead of themselves. And when I mentioned it, I said, so where is your main waistline going out? And the guy said, well, it, it'll go out right over here. And I said, well, but the sewer line, it goes out under your foundation. I said, it's it's under the floor. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, wow. so I probably called you a little too late. Then. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. And, uh, so we jackhammered the floor out or had that done and started over. So, D- wow. Dave didn't mention that meeting was actually with Brad Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad still doesn't have plumbing in that house, but it's okay. They make do. It's like <laughs> it's like growing up in Canada, right? We, we got plumbing on the first floor, though. We managed to work that out. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's funny. I did have an outhouse in my cottage growing up that was... Two-seater. <laughs> yeah, two-seater. They put them next to each other instead of on top of each other. <laughs> oh, no. That's a yeah, true story. <laughs> two-seater. All right. Well, Dave, I've got a question about today's market. We're in such a hot market today. And it seems like if someone wants to sell their house, all they got to do is put a sign up in the yard. Do you hear people saying to you, geez, Dave, yeah, I'm going to sell, but I don't know if I need to hire a realtor. I mean, it's, it's such a hot market. What, what would you say to someone who's thinking about that? Yeah, there's a lot of detail to it, but my first response would be you need a realtor now more than you ever have. Certainly more than you have in the 20 years that I've been doing this. Sitting down right now, yeah, you'll have buyers climbing all over you, and that's the whole reason you need somebody is most buyers are represented by an agent because we all know that the seller pays the commission out of the proceeds. And the, inherently, the buyer is, is contributing to that, but it's in the price of the home. And so most buyers are going to come to you as a seller with an agent. And if you aren't experienced with how offers are written, the market is so competitive, buyer's agents are being very, very creative in how they draft purchase agreements. And a lot of sellers are getting three or four purchase agreements on their own, and they don't know what to do. And that's where the skill and the knowledge of a realtor comes in handy is to say, okay, how do we weed through these? Because of the numerous pitfalls in a transaction, you sometimes don't end up taking the highest offer, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, Mm -hmm. because you have to look at the financing piece. And that's something where I can call guys like you talk through any nuances that might be in a purchase agreement to see if they sound reasonable. But there's a lot to go through and and most sellers are completely blown away when they try to do it themselves. They end up bringing in a realtor oftentimes too late where I can recover for them, I can get the deal done, but Mm -hmm. they didn't get the full exposure that they would have gotten 
had they listed it in a traditional way, it pays for itself, I think, hands down. I mean, it just is worth it to have somebody advocating for you. Yes, Steve and I come across it a lot, and sometimes we'll ask the question, well, do you have your disclosures ready? And right away they're like, what are disclosures? You know, so that's... Mm -hmm. Step number one, trigger point number one to get yourself into a lot of trouble. Right. Yeah, if you read through a purchase agreement, there's a lot of, it's a big minefield. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can, a lot of things to miss. And um, I'm glad I don't have to maneuver through those. We've got underwriters that do that for us. And thankfully, realtors as well, because I don't, there's a lot of words. I, I go up to about three or four syllables, and that's about <laughs> it for me. But Brad, Brad's a little bit better. So yeah, we can, yeah. we'll get people actually ask us to write them for them and, we have to explain we can't and yeah. here are the 10 reasons. I run into it all the time. Common thing is subject to or contingent upon. Those are two very different things in a purchase agreement and the mm-hmm. average seller will say they're the same thing. Or they'll call me and say, I have a deal that's contingent upon this. And when I read it, it really isn't contingent upon anything, mm-hmm. but that's what they think. And so it, it uh, and beyond that, then the buyer's agent's they know that the comparable properties, if you own a $500,000 home and it's next to others that sold for 500, the realtors know that that seller paid a full commission to sell. So they're gonna bring their buyer in to you and say, well, you're not paying, you're only paying half of it. So our buyer wants to take advantage of some of what you're saving. Mm-hmm. And so they're gonna to try to write a lower offer anyway, whereas ah. you lose some of that multiple offer benefit that sellers are seeing right now. Interesting. I don't mean to skip back to your veteran days, military days. Thank you for your service, by <laughs> yeah, the way. Yeah, thank um, you. But it's interesting. All of our VA clients we come across, they truly value having another veteran help them, represent them, because you've walked a mile in their shoes type thing. So for all you VA clients out there, take note, Dave is a fellow veteran, and he'll take care of you. There's nothing better than a fellow veteran taking care of another veteran. So... Yeah. All right, and, and knowing how to write a VA purchase agreement is, is key because right. there are nuances to that as well. And working with a lender, and I know you guys know how to do VA loans. We've done many. Yes, and that's have. the key is to work with a lender and a realtor who know because those are written differently than a traditional finance because of rules from the VA that they put on the deal that you have to have a realtor who can explain it to a listing agent because sometimes the listing agents don't understand why it's written a certain way and you need to be able to show them. That's a good point. And Brad, that reminds me of something we were talking about the other day. Did you know that, well, you, everyone in this room knows, we all know that Bell Bank does more VA loans than anybody in Minnesota, but we come across other lenders that like to sort of market themselves as official VA lenders or, or maybe a government agency when really they're just trying to sort of put on that facade to look official. And really, when we dig down in the numbers, unfortunately, a lot of those companies end up sort of taking advantage of veterans because they, they kind of jack up the price. We don't do that here at Bell, so... Um, it's more of the, mar- the marketing, the stuff you get in the mail, the, it sometimes looks legit, sometimes it looks like junk mail, but they really package it as though they're the only... That's all they do is VA loans, and they, they're the best at it when... In fact, your local lender. <laughs> yeah, or even like they've got some sort of official affiliation with the VA when really that's not the case. So right. just buyer beware when you're getting a VA loan. Make sure you're working with a, a reputable company. They make it look like the Veterans Administration is originating a loan yes. for them. Yes, that's exactly um, it. Yeah. I, I have a VA loan myself from Bell Bank, from you guys. 
And I get 10 or 12 mailings a week that look like they're coming from Bell Bank. And if I open them, which I never do, but if I open them, it is another lender saying, did you know you can save fees, but it looks like it came from Bell as if Bell is trying to save me fees. So they do that a lot, a lot of different lenders. And you take it for what it's worth. To me, it's it's yeah. a little deceptive. And I certainly would want to work with somebody that just stands on their own merits rather than trying to uh, make someone think they've got something that they don't. Yes. Agreed. One other topic I wanted to discuss with Dave and share with our listeners is your personal experience with rental properties, not only single families, but multi-units. And because we have lots yeah. of clients and listeners that own rentals or thinking about buying rentals. Mm-hmm. It's definitely nice to have some of your corner that understands the pitfalls, the trade-offs, the pros, the cons. Again, someone that's actually done it themselves versus someone that's never bought or sold a rental property themselves. What are some of the things that you've come across with owning rental properties that obviously your your experience will help any buyer or seller, but is there anything uh, with owning them that you come across that any advice for any people that are thinking about buying or selling rental properties, I guess. Is yeah, for sure. I think the, the personally, you know, I refer to it affectionately as tenants and toilets. And, and it, tenants, uh, and toilets. tenants and toilets. And you, the biggest thing is just have the mindset that it isn't always fun. I'm approached as you guys are all the time, people who want to buy rental property. And it's people from all backgrounds, all age groups, all financial backgrounds, you know, and, and Really, it kind of the biggest thing is understanding the requirements in the location where you think you want to buy a rental property. Owning a rental property in Minneapolis or St. Paul versus where I own some in Stillwater versus Richfield versus St. Louis Park, mm-hmm. completely different. And a lot of cities have laws that overlay their city ordinances in terms of their building permit process, their fire code process that are very different for a rental in addition to rental licenses. Most people who approach me about it don't realize that they would have to license that property. And in doing so, there's a rigorous inspection process. So understanding that, and then beyond that, it's talking to a lender who can help them understand the differences of purchasing a rental property versus an owner-occupied home. As you guys could elaborate, there are a lot of different requirements and Understanding that going into it, there, there are a lot of pieces of it that you really want to be aware of. Do your homework first, then go out and buy a home. Don't learn as you go. That can be very expensive. That's how I learned. I was a landlord at one point, and uh, it took me about 12 years to figure out I wasn't very good at it. But there are some people that do very well at it, yourself included. Brad, it sounds like we ran into Dave about... Uh, 15 years, 20 years too late here. We could have, <laughs> Just a wealth of knowledge. Could have used well, that sage you know, advice. I, I've learned plenty of things, you know, <laughs> baptism by fire myself. And yeah. I, uh, you learn the hard way sometimes. You hope that it isn't very often and isn't a, a big thing. But focusing on it really is you got to stay up to up to speed on local laws. And, and yeah. there's a lot of, lot of legislation that comes out regarding rental property that the average person doesn't know yeah. and doesn't yeah. see. And it's so helpful to know that going into it rather than learning something new every few months. And yeah. having to it also applies to maybe those who are listening here or currently are renters and are thinking about buying a home is, you know, I advocate home ownership all day long and I do the same thing with tenants. And, mm-hmm. I, and I try to work with the tenants who I have who mm. 
express yeah. an interest. One, Which we've I'll, done a lot of loans for. Exactly. And, and one is just coaching them on credit. And I get them linked in with you guys to help. First of all, you guys can look at their credit. I don't look at that. But establish where they at. Can they buy? What do they need to do in order to buy? Because a lot of times, if you haven't gone down that road, as you guys know, sometimes you start the conversation and they're surprised by the requirements. And But we've taken some people, as you guys know, from being seemingly a long ways from being ready to buy. Mm-hmm. And in a short period of time, they're qualified and they're ready to buy. If they follow the guidance that you give them on things that they need to do to either clean up credit or position themselves financially to qualify, it can be done. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand over the years, Dave, uh has graduated many people from being a renter to a homeowner. And it is amazing when they come to me, usually the tutorial I have to give them, Dave's already done. He's explained them what I'm going to say to them and what the prerequisites are for buying a home. And so they're well-versed, which speaks to Dave and his character. He, As you can all tell, he's uh, he's an expert in many things. And in real estate, <laughs> in real estate, a lot of the general public underappreciates what real estate agents do and what they do for you. But um, yeah, Dave does a great job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. It takes a team, though. It, it, you're only as good as the people around you. And when you surround yourselves with lenders, inspectors, contractors, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I've got a stable of people I can call because I, I know enough to understand situations, but I'm not going to guide people in a lot of things other than the real estate piece. But I have people who I've vetted, who I know and trust, who I can turn people to that uh, will give them straight up advice and, and take care of them. And that that's really the biggest piece is surrounding myself with good quality people. And how about if someone wanted to get a hold of Dave Reed and they wanted uh, you to buy or sell their house or give them a market analysis, they could call us and we can give them your info, but can they call you a phone number, your website? Yeah, they can go to my website, uh, DaveReedHomes.com or uh, email me, Dave at DaveReedHomes.com or yeah, anywhere through you guys. Uh, 651-230-0251 is my number if anybody wants to jot it down. Awesome. Always open to free advice, chat with people, and get you into the system, whether you're uh, ready to buy tomorrow or you think you'll buy in, in two years. It's never too early to start the discussion. Awesome, yeah. Call Dave. You will not be disappointed. He does a great job, and we're proud to be associated with him. And ask him for a ride on his motorcycle. <laughs> as long as you're talking, right, Dave? That'll be fun. Well, that's a story from the past. Podcast number two. Yeah, that's the after hours podcast. Thanks for coming, Dave.